Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that always pondering spiritual things, we may carry out both in word and deed that which is pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. Saul set off and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, accompanied by 3,000 men chosen from Israel to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. So in the dark, David and Abishai made their way towards the force, where they found Saul asleep inside the camp. His spear stuck in the ground beside his head, with Abner and the troops lying round him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has put your enemy in your power, so now let me pin him to the ground with his own spear. Just one stroke, I will not need to strike him twice. David answered Abishai, Do not kill him, for who can lift his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? David took the spear and the pitcher of water from beside Saul's head, and they made off. No one saw, no one knew, no one woke up. They were all asleep for a deep sleep when the Lord had fallen on them. David crossed the other side and halted on the top of the mountain, a long way off. There was a wide space between them. David then called out, Here is the king's spear. Let one of the soldiers come across and take it. The Lord repays everyone for his uprightness and loyalty. Today the Lord put you in my power, but I would not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. The Lord is kind and merciful. The Lord is kind and merciful. My soul give thanks to the Lord, all my being, bless his holy name. My soul give thanks to the Lord, and never forget all his blessings. The Lord is kind and merciful. It is he who forgives all your guilt who heals every one of your ills, who redeems your life from the grave, who crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful. The Lord is compassion and love, slow to anger and rich in mercy. He does not treat us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our faults. The Lord is kind and merciful. As far as the east is from the west, So far does he remove our sins. As a father has compassion on his sons, the Lord has pity on those who fear him. The Lord is kind and merciful. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. The first man, Adam, as scripture says, became a living soul, but the last Adam has become a life-giving spirit. That is, first the one with the soul, not the spirit, and after that, the one with the spirit. The first man, being from the earth, is earthly by nature. The second man is from heaven. 
As this earthly man was, so are we on earth. And as the heavenly man is, so are we in heaven. And we who have been modeled on the earthly man will be modeled on the heavenly man. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I say this to you who are listening. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who treat you badly. To the man who slaps you on one cheek, present the other cheek too. To the man who takes your cloak from you, do not refuse your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and do not ask for your property back from the man who robs you. Treat others as you would like them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what thanks can you expect? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what thanks can you expect? For even sinners do that much. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what thanks can you expect? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Instead, love your enemies and do good and lend without any hope of return. You will have a great reward and you will be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be compassionate as your father is compassionate. Do not judge and you will not be judged yourselves. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned yourselves. Grant pardon and you will be pardoned. Give, and there will be gifts for you. A full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. Because the amount you measure out is the amount you will be given back. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so we're in a bit of a sort of strange liturgical space right now. Um, the seventh Sunday at Ordinary Time, you know, um, we don't always have it. it. It sort of depends a little bit on when Easter gets celebrated, because, you know, often by now, Lent's already started. But this year, Easter's late. Uh, so we're still going to get the seventh and the eighth week of Ordinary Time which means that the readings that we have over the next couple of weeks are readings that we don't often hear. Uh, and in this year, year C, we're hearing what's, you know, it, it sometimes gets called the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, you know, we all know Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. Um, well, this is Luke's kind of account of the, the same sort of sermon. And in this instance, Jesus is speaking to the disciples in a, a wide open place. Um, hence, Sermon on the Plain, right? And where Matthew takes a few chapters to give the whole Sermon on the Mount, 
But here, the words of Jesus are really condensed into some very punchy, pithy sayings. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who treat you badly. They're short sayings, and gee, they're memorable ones. In fact, there's one phrase which (laughs) is surprisingly commonly tattooed onto people. Judge not and you will not be judged. (laughs) Oddly, we tend to interpret those words to mean that, you know, (laughs) every action of mine is justified and can't be deemed good or bad. Forgetting that, well, actually, mm, Jesus is the one who's going to judge me. But you know what? These short pithy sayings that come from our Lord Jesus. Oh, they carry so much weight. I don't know, it it feels like a fast bowler in cricket or maybe, you know, a pitcher in baseball, you know, when they really bring the heat. You can either let it sail right past you, in which case it hardly makes an impact, or if you're going to play it, it's going to hit hard. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. There's no wiggle room in any of that. There's no fine print. There are no, you know, sort of clauses saying, but yeah, but if they really hate you, then, then, you know, you don't have to love those. Um, You know, if they're really terrible enemies, you know, it's only the little enemies, you know, the ones who aren't out to destroy you. Yeah, they're the ones that you can love. But, but, you know, let's be reasonable about this. There's none of that. Wouldn't you be glad if there were? Love your enemies, but you know, if your enemies go around slagging you off to the people around you and telling lies about you and spreading rumours, um, yeah, no, don't worry, you don't, have to, you don't have to love them. And you know those parents-in-law who are constantly a wedge between you and your spouse and interfering in your family and your kids? Um, yeah, no, 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 that's all right, like, they don't count. Oof. And you know that person who did terrible damage to someone who you love dearly. Yeah, no, don't stress. They fall outside this category. You don't have to pray for them. You know what? It's no wonder that so many of us let these words of Jesus just kind of sail by. Because if you really let those words have their impact and hit you, feels like they're going to knock us over. That these words might strike a blow from which we can't get up. Seriously, Lord, you can't mean my real enemies. Um, no, says Jesus. Yep, no, they're the ones. You know what? On the surface, it seems like our Lord Jesus is asking us to do something really, really hard. And you know what? I'll I'll give it to you. (laughs) Absolutely, it's really hard. But you want to know something? Jesus is leading us along the path of true freedom. And though his command here is difficult and is something that can really only be done by God's grace, you know, to love the way that God loves. But he's not giving us a commandment that's going to make us miserable He's giving us a commandment that makes us truly free. Because here's the thing. If I allow my enemies to draw hatred out of me, 
well then, I've given something of myself over to them. I've given over to my enemy the freedom of my response. The reality is, is that we're extremely vulnerable toward other people. They can do all sorts of stuff to hurt us, to damage us. But there is something which they can never touch without my permission. And that is my response. How I react to you is the fruit of my own personal freedom. It's my choice. It's the one thing you can't take from me without me actually first giving it to you. And I think this is what Jesus is pointing towards. Yep, you've got enemies, real ones. But you are so free that you can still decide how you respond to them. You can hurt me, but you can't make me hate you. You can curse me, but you can't make me curse you back. You can wound me, but you can't stop me from praying for you. There are so many ways in which we can become the victims of other people's actions. But there is a place that is so deep and so sacred that it cannot be taken from me without me first giving it to you. And if I hand my freedom over to you, then I become your victim twice over. Some of you may know that um, I've been reading Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I've been doing a bit of a study with some of the young adults and um, it's really made an enormous impact on me. And, and, and Viktor Frankl actually touches upon this very idea uh, in a really powerful way. And I, I'd like to quote a little bit of the work for you. Um, if you don't know the book, it recounts Viktor Frankl's experiences in the concentration camp. He was a psychiatrist and, you know, he was really investigating what we need to survive, what's essential for our human life. Um, and, you know, spoiler alert, it's freedom and it's purpose. Now, this makes for a fascinating circumstance because the one thing that is truly stripped of the people in a concentration camp is exactly that, freedom. The circumstances around them are constructed in such a way as to make them complete and utter victims of those in power. You have nothing, no dignity, no food, no capacity to choose your place, your work, even the most basic comfort as what you sleep on and what you wear. But, says Victor, all of these freedoms can be ripped away from you. But there is one thing that cannot be taken from you. And that is the interior freedom that allows you to make a response to your suffering. So let me quote this to you. He writes, We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, 
the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. And there were always choices to make. Every day, every hour offered the opportunity to make a decision. A decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to those powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom. Which determined whether or not you would become the plaything of circumstance, renouncing freedom and dignity to become moulded into the form of the typical inmate. Seen from this point of view, the mental reactions of the inmates of a concentration camp must seem more to us than the mere expression of certain physical and sociological conditions. Even though conditions such as lack of sleep, insufficient food and various mental stresses may suggest that the inmates were bound to react in certain ways, in the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became, was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influences alone. Fundamentally, therefore, any man can, even under such circumstances, decide what shall become of him, mentally and spiritually. He may retain his human dignity even in a concentration camp. Dostoevsky said once that there was only one thing that I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. These words frequently came to my mind after I became acquainted with those martyrs whose behaviour in camp, whose suffering and death, bore witness to the fact that at the last, inner freedom cannot be lost. It can be said that they were worthy of their sufferings. The way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner achievement. It is this, spiritual freedom, which cannot be taken away, that makes life meaningful and purposeful. Now, I find that truly amazing. When Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, he is asking us to lay claim to our inner freedom and not to hand it over. Don't give it away to those who want to take it from you. They can't have it without your permission, so don't give your permission. Don't let your enemy turn you into someone who hates. Don't let the one who curses you turn you into someone who curses you. They haven't earned that right. And it might well mean that we have to fight for that freedom. That we have to resist the urge for retribution, for revenge that we need to restrain the urge to slap the one who struck us on the cheek. When we would rather take from the one who stole our cloak and certainly not want to give our tunic as well. Viktor Frankl here is echoing Jesus. Yeah, sure, you can react like everyone else. But you don't have to. And so Jesus gives one very simple remedy. One tip for reclaiming our freedom. He says, pray. Pray for those who treat you badly. 
We don't always have opportunities to do kindnesses for our enemies. Maybe they're relationships that have broken down to the point where we actually aren't in contact anymore. Or maybe they're even people who've died. But the one thing we can do, and we can always do, is pray for them. And it's a way of laying claim to our interior freedom. It truly is the path of healing. Those deep wounds that we suffer at the hands of others, you know what? They start to heal when we don't let our enemies wound us in the deepest part of our heart, which is our freedom. You hurt me, but you can't make me someone who hates. You can't make me bitter and resentful unless I let you. And I'm not gonna. At the very least, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to bless you. I'm going to ask God to give you the grace that you need to become a saint. And that might be the grace of repentance. That might be the grace of a short, sharp shock that brings you to your senses. How about we spend eternity in heaven loving one another, rather than eternity in hell hating each other? You can hurt me, but you can't stop me being a saint. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.